We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. Hi, Blue Wire listeners. I'm Greg Olson. I'm excited to partner with Blue Wire to bring you TE1, a podcast where I interview the tight ends who have revolutionized the position. Listen in as I have raw, in-depth conversations with the all-time greats like Shannon Sharp, Tony Gonzalez, Travis Kelsey, and George Kittle. We'll explore how the tight end position has changed over the last 60 years and what it takes to be the very best. Subscribe to TE1 from Blue Wire Studios today so you're ready for the August premiere. What up, everybody? Welcome to another week of the Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here with the old man Andreas Hale. I am thirsty and parched, so cracking my claw early. Cheers to you and everyone listening. Man, packed show today, full of pro wrestling. We have to talk. Talking shop of Palooza. Talking shop of Mania, man. A Mania, excuse me. Oh, okay, well, listen. It was the worst fucking show ever, so I can get the name wrong if I want to get it wrong. Talking shop of Mania, a boneyard match to top all barn, boneyard matches. Boner yard, man. You got to get it right. It was a boner yard match. <laughs> you obviously will fill me in on all the details. I watched the entire damn thing, but of course I got three TVs, so I missed the R in boner yard match. Excuse me. And then uh, we also got to talk about NXT, uh, AW, and main roster stuff of course, to finish up the show. First, though, to start off the show, Dre, you found a random box. I don't want to call them artifacts, even though I do call you the old man. But you found a random box from your youth that you've been digging through and posting stuff in our group chat all damn day. And in one of those, the coup de grace of this box 
was 14-year-old Dre with hair chilling, cuddled up in, uh, I guess, one of those photo booths. Yeah. With a chick, and I'm like, yo, Dre, you're like 14-year-old me. This woman on your lap, I thought, was a smooth 23. You said she's 17. Yeah. Listen, my man, you a savage. I used to be. <laughs> the long, I, I ain't gonna hold you. You, you, you were a savage, my man. Jeez, I was uh, like Dre was pulling them. Dog, the stories that I have about the things that we used to do in Vegas, and it's it's a, uh, um, yeah, man, it's ripe for for storytelling because it's just Vegas was different, man. You grew up here; it's different. You know, you can, people come out to visit Vegas, and you come to the casinos and you hang out. I come to the, I live in Vegas. I go to the casinos to get in trouble. So, it's <laughs> true. You know, so every weekend, if anybody's ever heard of Circus Circus, they used to be our spot. And uh, hold on, let me correct my claw here. Yes. People only go to Circus Circus now because they're balling on a budget. Rooms like yeah. sixteen dollars. Now, once upon a time, it was the spot that midway you walk that circle around. It was a spot. So we used to go every weekend. Now, me and my boys. We used to, uh, because we were just lawless, um, my grandmother used to never really be home, so she would be out gambling, so I'd leave. And I'd be out at all hours of the night. This before curfew was, like, really implemented, so we'd just be out wilding. And uh, we used to try to bag chicks from other states. Like, whoever was a tourist in town, you know, uh, we may or may not lie about our age, but we try to bag them. <laughs> and it worked. And th- th- that was an old picture of 14-year-old me with a 17-year-old, but it was nothing new. Something I did, we did routinely every weekend, me and my boys. We'd be out there, nowhere to go. Like, it's not like we could get a hotel room. We just had girls, and we just enjoyed ourselves. Once upon a time in, in Vegas, it, it was a wild time, man. Um, I think it's, it's interesting because you look at those wild times and the things that we used to do, especially being extra managed. You can't really do those things today. And I use this as an example because Moesha is hitting Netflix, and everybody's, like, crushing this show. But it was like 20 years ago, guys. Things were different. I didn't think it was a great show back then, but... I mean, look. I might have been cool. in the minority. It was whatever. It wasn't like a, a, the greatest show ever. But there's people look at things and go, oh, that's so problematic. Yes, it was problematic. You know what else is problematic? Eddie Murphy, Ron Delirious. Both of those were extraordinarily problematic. Now, <laughs> yeah. they don't make them any less funny than me. But I understand what's wrong. But if you're going to write, like, people are talking about think pieces on Moesha. Look, man, just watch the fucking show or not. Like, <laughs> Don't watch it. <laughs> just leave it alone. So in my case, like, all the things that we used to do in, in high school, in junior high school, yeah, man, underage drinking, that seems pretty normal. Like, walling out, like, yeah, we used to always slap girls' asses in high school. That was our thing. Can't do that today. Yeah, I, I was a habitual ass grabber. Yeah. Like, hugging was a big thing, like, eighth, ninth grade. So yeah. you had to hug every time you see a girl. That's how you knew you were the man. When, yeah. When, like, the higher status of girls hugged you. And, like, you'd grab ass cheeks constantly. All the time. And, yeah. and the thing, and people, like, the millennials listening to the show was like, oh, my God. Yes, I'm listening to myself, and I'm going, yeah, I wouldn't do that today. No. Well, what am I supposed to do? Lie inside didn't do it back in the day? I told my daughter, no kids better be grabbing her ass. Because she's, no. she's going to ninth grade this year. So she starts ninth grade in like two weeks. I was like, yo, I was grabbing ass in the ninth grade. You better not be letting these boys touch your ass. Yeah, it's, it's all like, I hate when people try to hide who they were. And then when it comes out, 
Because eventually all things do come out. Oh, yes. And when it does come out, you act surprised. But, like, no, man, you need to get ahead of it. Like, yes, I admit I did things like grabbing butt cheeks relatively often while in high school. And I did it all the time. Like, it was like a game. Now, I would never do that. I would condemn 14-year-old Andreas for doing stuff like that. But we were wild, man. High school was a wild time. We didn't know any better. There was no social media. There was nobody telling us this. you shouldn't be doing this. But if you cop to it and apologize for the things you did in the past, cool. But all that to say, in, in high school, yeah, man, I was a wild boy. And I enjoyed myself. <laughs> This was before you had the curls for the girls too. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You, was 14. you had like the the low Caesar. Yeah, I had my Caesar. Like barely had my mustache coming in. Like I was a tiny little 14 year old dude at that. So it was like, if you bagged them, it was like, yeah, take a picture. That was our thing. We take pictures, and we used to save our voicemails and play them for the homies. Right? Like we try to see who gets the most egregiously reckless voicemail from a girl. <laughs> like either if it's you make them mad or you got one that's on you. And you just play it for the homies. And we all gave each other our voicemail passwords. Like all the like my crew, we just gave each other our voicemail passwords so nobody could lie. So we would all randomly check each other's voicemails. And I remember one of my boys would never get any voicemails. And we used to just like light his ass up because we thought it was hilarious. Because also, back in the day, before you had like cell phones, you had a pocket full of quarters and you hit a pay phone when your beeper went off. I had a beeper. And so it was like, yo, he always had a pocket full of change, but he never went anywhere. I'm like, man, you ain't getting no pages, nothing. Nobody hitting you up with the, the I love you upside down, like all the messages. But then when they had the voicemail, you dog, I was the master of playing the music on my voicemail. Woo! Like you had to record the music to be on your voicemail? I, I'm confused by yeah, this. Yeah, like, all right. I, I, I'm sure some of y'all seen this meme that's floating around of, you know, a dude holding his phone, and then he's got a song playing in the background, then he, like, comes in and was like, yeah, this is such and such. I'm not at yeah. my phone. Like, we used to do that. But we used to try to find, like, whatever the hot song was, and we'd find a remix, or, dog, we used to bat. Oh, we have voicemail battles to see which chicks would say the wildest shit. And, yo, there was some wild stuff left on voicemails. I think my wife told me about like using music as her voicemail. Ooh. My wife's seven years older than me, so I mean, I don't know. My my recording days were like recording shit for ringtones. Nah, we ain't had like, none of that. When I got a cell phone, I've had a cell phone my whole life. So I think I got like my first cell phone in like fifth grade. Fifth, sixth grade, and that's when you had the ringtones. Like the do-do-do-do-do. Like the fab shit was hot. Yeah, I remember that. Ooh, I had the fab joint, and then I got a two-way that flipped. I was the spoiled kid on the block. People were hating on me. And I had the little belt clip. I was like, yeah, girl, flip that shit. Get your number. And I was, I was fly with it. See, we were but, too broke for that. We had beepers. Oh, yeah, nah, nah, I, I never had a beeper. I mean, that shit seemed dope. I didn't... I didn't have one. By the time I grew up, like, only drug dealers had beavers. Yeah, well, so that was always be Trace. Yeah, like, that, <laughs> that was, like, to me, drug dealers had beavers. Like, but I guess that's where text code came from, right? Because, like, yep. it was 143 or some shit was something. I, I love you. Oh, is that what it is? Yep. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I vaguely remember, because I had my two-way so young. Like, I had my two-way, like, sixth, seventh grade. Um, but I remember before then having a Nokia and having to hit the one button like three times to get a letter. So I think C, you had to hit it three times and then you had yeah. to like to get your letters and then that shit's wild. Yeah, if I told my kids that today, they wouldn't 
they wouldn't comprehend. I just yeah, got my let, daughter an iPhone 10. Both of my kids got iPhone 10s and my son got an iPad. Yeah, let me show them what we used to do because I'm older <laughs> than you and we had to go to the phone booth and put some money in the thing. Or, like, anybody who's older, if you're, or if you're like, 35, you will all remember this because you remember uh, if you didn't have any change and you needed to get at somebody real quick, you would call 1-800-COLLECT, and when it would ask you your name, you'd yell your message as fast as you could. Mom, pick me up! Before. Yeah, oh, done man. That. <laughs> done that before. We used to do that shit all the time. Like, yo, we call the homie and be like, maybe have McDonald's on the strip and shit. Like, just yeah. yell real fast. <laughs> Like, don't accept it, dummy. Like, <laughs> yeah, don't, don't accept. Just listen to the message. Baby at McDonald's, five minutes. Like, you keep calling it back. Yeah, that shit was oh. wild. Pay phones, man. The pay phone, we used to like run to the pay phone. You get a page, and because you didn't know what it was back in the day when you had cell, like, when you had cell phones, it was easy. You call somebody, it's like a conversation. Think about this you out in the block, you ain't for a girl to hit you, and you got a beeper. And you get a page because the page, they have to put in their phone number so it shows up in your pager. So first of all, you got to remember phone numbers. Because you'll look at a number and be like, who the fuck is this? Then they'll tell you you have a voicemail, but you got to have money to go to the payphone to check your voicemail. And if you get a whack voicemail, oh, then you're really pissed. Because it would be like your mom's and shit. Like, yeah, come wasted home. <laughs> just wasted your change. And then on top of that, because like when we was in high school, like my freshman year, because we had beepers. Like, you didn't have cars. So we used to ride the cat bus, which is the, the public transit system in Vegas. Yo, we rode the fuck that shit all through Las Vegas. We was on the bus everywhere. We can't get no cab or nothing like that. We rode the bus. Yeah. So you like get a page and you bolt over to old girl's house, hope she home. Cause shit, you can't find her. If she not, there ain't no cell phones. If she ain't home, you screwed. <laughs> what a time, man. I'm telling you. I'm telling I've been thinking about a TV series about this for the longest time because the Yo. shit that we did back in the day, like when AOL was first popping, oh my God. Oh, I was on AOL chat. Again, this is shit that you can't really co-sign in 2020. But I remember being like 13 on, on AIM wilding out, like lying, like, yo, I'm 19. Not sending pictures, just be like, yo, I'm 19. The ASL? What? Bruh, waiting People for a know. picture to load. So a girl send you a picture forever. and you be like, forever. Shit. All right, I hope she's fine because, God damn, all I got is some forever. feet. Why is, it, why is it going the bottom up first? What is this? Or you in an aim chat, <laughs> like you have an aim chat, and then your fucking parents pick up the phone and boot you off. Oh, oh with the staticky fucking <laughs> dialing. I at least I at least had dialing. My kids don't even know what dialing yeah, is. I, like, I that too. shit. Oh, man. I try to explain to them having a house phone and how. Every phone in the house can hear the same conversation. <laughs> and they didn't that? understand this. Oh I was God. like, yo, like, grandma would call, like, pick up from the other room and be like, I need the phone. Get off right now. And I'm mid-conversation uh-huh. with a girl. I'd be like, all right, grandma, give me five more minutes. Like, and the girl's just laughing in the background. <laughs> yeah, it'd be so embarrassing. Look, yeah, man, just I, like, used to, I used to have a, uh, I used to have the regular phone, right, at the crib. But... Because, like, the cord was mad short, and, like, my grandmother didn't want to get, like, uh, the cordless phone. So, I used to get go to the store and buy, like, these long-ass cords so I could pick yep. up the phone and carry it all through my apartment. And <laughs> all to the room. I used to, like, I'd, I'd talk to, and, you know, you put a girl on a hole while you make a sandwich or some shit. And, my gra- like, girls used to call me, like, okay, quick story. So, my grandmother was, like, the pits, right? I've talked about her a million times. She was the worst. 
you couldn't call my house at a certain time because if she answered the phone, she'd always say, the fuck do you want? And I'm expecting to call and just hang up on you. That's just the way it was every time. So <laughs> my boys thought it would be funny to like three-way people and like three-way each other and have like them pick up and then my grandma pick up and then, you know, she, you know, they just start yelling at each other like, you call me. No, you call me. And they get a <laughs> kick out of that shit. And um, so one night, like there was these girls who used to call my crib like crazy late all the time. And if they called, they would come to my house. If I didn't answer because we stayed in Crack Alley in the hood, we all stayed relatively close to each other. So they would come to my crib and just throw rocks in my window because they used to always steal their parents' car. And we'd, like, go out to Red Rock Mountain and, like, dumb late and shit. One time, she called. And I didn't answer because I was petrified. My grandmother was, like, in a horrible mood. So I was like, I'm not going to answer. And I used to tell them, like, if she answers, just hang up. Right? <laughs> just don't, don't, do, don't say shit. Just hang up. So they called, hang up. But see, they were persistent on this night. It's midnight. It's a school night. I'm telling you, man, I was lawless in high school. It's a school night. It's like midnight. They're calling. My grandma's in like this horrible mood. And I guess one of the times I picked up because I was trying to prevent the ring from happening. And I picked up. My grandmother picked up. And she was talking. And I forgot what she said. It was something about your crazy ass grandma something. My grandmother came in my room. <laughs> <laughs> Son, she came in my room, saw my phone, because I had, like, the phone trying to hide it under the bed. She, like, pulled it. And, like, remember that DMX story I told you, like, ripped the phone out the wall? She did that. Boom. Like, ripped the whole shit out the wall. I had no phone. It was a wrap. She yelled. And then she got all upset and shit. And, yeah, then I snuck out the house, like, at 2 in the morning. But that's, that's, it's a different time, man. No cell phones. No text messages. You had to communicate via talking. You had to talk to somebody. Somebody had to pick up the damn phone. I can't believe, like, you would just go places on a whim. Like, yeah, yeah girl, like, yo, I'm a... No, not not that. Like, I used to leave the crib anyway. But if a girl's like, yo, come over. Yeah. And then you just be like, all right, I'll be there in an hour. But you get there. Like, you got to remember her address, mm-hmm. her phone number, directions. Let alone, I can't get nowhere without my Google Maps right now. Bro, like, we, you had to remember a lot of shit back in the day. Like, back in the 90s? We took a whole the bus. Different world. We had to remember what stops. And then you got to remember where you got to walk to after you get off the side. You get off the bus, you be like, all right, all right, this is what, Maryland? All right, um, make a left. And there were so many times we got lost, like, randomly, just out in the streets. Like, fuck, now what? Bus stop running. Oh, that didn't happen to us so many times. Just be out on the block. One time, last story, we can just talk, start talking about the other shit. One time, we and my boy went out. Nine o'clock. Met some girls from L.A. It's a usual circus, circus, savage night. Met some girls from L.A. And we started walking the strip, right? Um, I think we met him at the MGM. And it was like... It was like that crazy, like, oh, she's going to, she's going home tomorrow. So it's like, yo, you trying to hook up, right? And we couldn't find anywhere to go. So we was trying to, like, find back. I mean, savage life, man. Back alley. It didn't matter. <laughs> trying to find something. Trying to get something. It was me and my boy and, and these two girls. Bad, too. And we were like, all right, we got to figure this out. It's getting later. It's getting later. And we're just getting all caught up, right? Fucking forgot what time it was. Buses stopped running. Stuck on the strip. It's like a Sunday night. I got to go to school on Monday. But I can't get home. And I don't feel like walking. So the girls are just like, well, we'll just hang out with y'all until the sun come up. So we literally hung out with these girls until the sun came up. Till the buses started running at 6 in the morning. And I took the bus home. And I was like, fuck it. I guess I'm not just going to. We're not going to go to school. So me and my boy take the bus. We go back to the crib. And usually because my grandmother works so early, she never really checks my room. So I don't see her car. And I'm like, straight. She probably didn't check my room. So I go in the crib. 
And I'm like, all right, well, I guess maybe we'll go to school late. And we go in. Uh, my boy used to always watch Moonwalker for whatever fucking reason. He just thought Michael Jackson's Moonwalker was the thing to watch. So he goes and grabs the VHS tape. That's all done. He went and grabbed the VHS tape, pops it in. We're laughing and shit. We're tired, but, you know, I think we're 16 at the time. I don't give a fuck. My grandmother comes jumping out of my closet. <laughs> I got you, motherfuckers. Like, like old, she was, she, Livia Soprano. Like, that's, that was my grandmother. Got you, mother. Just started yelling. Like, I was like, yo, what are you? She hid in the closet for like 40 minutes to wait till I came home. And then, like, took all my shoes. So I couldn't put on any shoes to leave. So I was just trapped with her. She called into work to bust me. <laughs> she just had to figure out. She was like, what are you doing? You could have done. And she, she wasn't worried about me dying because that, that didn't matter to my grandma. It was just her disrespect, me disrespecting the crib. She beat, she beat me with like an empty paper bag. Because my grandma just he would hit me with anything she could get her hands with on. empty paper bag. And I, dog, because, listen, old Italian grandmothers would beat you with whatever they could get their hands on. And all she had was a paper bag with nothing in it. And my boy thought it was funny because I was like, ow, stop. Because if I didn't do that, she would just continue. Yeah, and she would find something else. You yeah, to, she was like, all right, You had cool. to sell. Yo, you sold for your grandma. <laughs> I sold that shit like Ric Flair. I face planted in the whole nine. I was like, ah, ah, ah. Man. Yeah, learned my lesson that week. Was right back on on the block the next. But that's my story. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah, you gotta you gotta put this together. This has to be somewhere. A memoir just won't do. Like this gotta be on the screen somewhere. That's hilarious. Beat you with an empty paper bag. Empty paper bag. That, that's some real shit. That that could have been a spot on talk. Talking shop a mania. They had everything else there. They did not have an empty paper bag. That that should have been included. Yo, no, that that's wild. And that just goes to show everyone got this like in their, you know, different cities when you're growing up, especially like when you're a teenager. Circus Circus is the place in Vegas where nothing good happens. Ever. Ever. Like you think it's good. No. Sooner or later shit is going to go bad. That is Circus Circus. I knew when I was in New York, like, growing up, every summer, we would go, like, two or three times to Rye Playland. And the shit sounds very whimsical when you say it like that. But Rye Park and Rye Playland, like, it's upstate. It was, like, 30 minutes. And as teenagers, there was always, like, a ton of upstate New York, either rich, like, you know, black, light-skinned chicks or white girls. And for us being from, like, the block... Everyone was, like, losing their mind. So it was, like, cool to go up there and, like, see other people. And girls would buy you shit because they had money. And, like, buy us food and try to bag numbers. It was, like, our summer camp for broke kids. So that was New York summers. But in Vegas, Circus Circus was just fucking Savageville, USA. In high school, one of my friends, uh, it was a chick. And we were just friends. I remember our junior year. You know, they had, like, the basketball tournaments all the time? Yeah. So, I think, like, Adidas always had their summer basketball. It was, like, Adidas Super 64 or some shit. So, they had these basketball tournaments. Um, Nike had one, too, later in the summer. But she had it on her calendar in her bedroom. And her and her other girlfriend would go up to the strip and do what you did in reverse. (laughs) And just their goal was to hook up with as many different high school basketball players from around the nation. Mm. And I remember I remember we ditched one day, like, my senior year. It was my junior year. Uh, 
That had to be, it had to be junior because my daughter wasn't born yet. So it was my junior year. We ditched, and I was at her crib sitting down, and she was like, "Oh well," and she had like some stupid boyfriend at the time. She was like, "My boyfriend asked me how many guys I've hooked up with already." Blah blah. She was like, "I've been trying to list them." I was like, "We gonna be here for a while." And no lie, she was like, oh, that basketball tournament came in. And she listed, and it was a three-day basketball tournament, Dre. She listed 18 people. Mm. And I was like, what? She was like, yeah, like, we'd meet, uh, you know, see them at the food court, or, you know, you could tell who's playing basketball. And then they were here for a tournament, so they all had rooms. And her and her friend would just go. And I was, like, fucking baffled by this story. Granted, the her list in total our junior year i think she stopped counting at 105 Whoa. it was a it was loose leaf paper she went down back up all the way down and then flipped it and i'm pretty sure that she was college ruled wow. yeah yeah she was a, a a cool person but needless to say she uh she might have had a problem anyway <laughs> neither, neither here nor there i mean she's listen, Wish the best to her now. Um, yeah, so that shit, and a lot of that, a lot of that, a lot of those basketball teams stayed at Circus Circus because it was dirt cheap. Yep. They had the amusement park on days off when they weren't playing games, so the coaches could just be like, yo, go run amok. And I'm sure the coaches gambled or, like, went to talk of the town. <laughs> If you, guys, if you guys have been to Vegas, <laughs> between Circus Circus and Stratosphere oh, is this geez. strip club called Talk of the Town. It is $2 lap dances after 12. Oh, my God. Do not ask me how I know this. That I'm pretty sure the coaches might have found their way over there. So Circus Circus was just debauchery to the max. And, uh, yeah, nah, it's crazy to know from when you were – Hitting the strip as a teenager to my generation, Circus Circus stood the test of time. That might be the only reason it's still in business. I wonder all the time, like, yo, this shit is old. It's ugly looking. Why is it still here? Because it's the hub of debauchery. Dog, yeah. It's, it's a city landmark. It is. It is. And anybody, <laughs> if you're a certain age and you came to Vegas, you knew about Circus Circus. So if you, you just didn't know what went on in Circus Circus, man, there were gang fights at Circus Circus. I remember they started putting in security. At Circus Circus for like kids, and you couldn't wear certain colors. You couldn't walk in what? groups of bigger than three. Yo, what? Yo. It was game fighting at Circus Circus. Hell like, yeah. It's a happy ass place. No, it was banging. Like, shit, we got, me and my boys got robbed at Circus Circus. Well, I didn't get robbed because I ain't have shit. He did, though. <laughs> I guess this is the last story. So we went to Circus Circus. His, uh, I don't want to say his name. I was going to say his name, but I'm not. <laughs> he had a car, right? His car is raggedy as shit. Right? The, like, the roof was coming down. It was raggedy as hell. But he had a car, so fuck it. We just always roll with him. So, it was, like, a couple weeks after his birthday, and he got, like, this the fucking dookie rope chain, I think. And uh, so, we went to Circus Circus, our usual, trying to pick up girls. Now, he never really hung out with us, but because he had a car, we deemed him cool enough to hang out with us. It's me and my boy and him. And so, we went Circus Circus. Wasn't really popping that night. And there was the McDonald's that was by Circus Circus. And then there was, like, these apartments behind it. Now, they used to always warn you, don't ever go to those apartments. Between that and Naked City behind the stratosphere, don't go. You'll die. And I used to think it was a joke and shit, right? But it wasn't. Don't go. You'll die. You will, you will get robbed, steal, or killed. Something's going to happen to you. So this fool, so we, we go to Circus Circus. He decides to park at the apartments because there's nowhere to park because Circus Circus was always popping. 
But he decides to park at the apartments. So it's like midnight. We're like, ah, fuck it. We're going to go home. And we're walking, and these dudes were like, yo, um, some shit. You know, dudes just talking shit. Set you from, blah, blah, blah. Me and my boy, you don't pay that shit anymore. And he starts talking shit. And I'm like, yo. Oh, he, he deserves to get robbed. What are you doing? And he's like, oh, they don't know where I'm from. I was like, dog, I don't know where you're from. What are you talking about? Like, what is going on? So we're like walking. And meanwhile, like, I'm standing at McDonald's and I'm trying to holler at some girl. I'm like tapping on the window and shit. And he's like jawjacking these dudes. And usually talking shit just usually ends in nothing, right? It just usually ends in like people getting pulled apart and the shit just being over. No, it's still going. So finally, me and my boy is like, yo, chill. Let's go. Let's drive somewhere. Take us home. Whatever. He's still, he's mad. And I'm like, yo, there's like nine of them. And there's like three of us. Relax. And I was like, unless you got a heater, this ain't, this ain't the lick. He doesn't have a heater. He's like, I got one at the crib. I was like, does this no good. So we start walking back. And we notice nine guys are behind us. In the apartment complex. Where the cops don't even come. They pull up. What's that shit y'all talking now? And I was like, y'all. I was like, so I, I'm like, I'm looking. I'm like, what is you talking about? So I'm like, I'm looking. I'm like, ah, oh, fuck. We're going to have to fight. And there's nine of them. So we're going to get our ass kicked. But I ain't going down without a fight. So dude, he's just, the other dude, my boy, he's still talking. Blah, blah, blah. Whoop-de-whoop. Whoop-de-whoop. And the dude's like, yeah, I see that gold chain around your neck. And <laughs> my other boy finds sense of humor in anything all the time. He's like, I told you to tuck in that shit because Debo was going to get you. And I'm like, it's not really time to make jokes. <laughs> but here we are. And he's like, yeah, well, what you going to do about it? And I'm like, oh, we're about to fight. No, we're not about to fight. They pulled, they pulled like two nine millimeters out on us. It's like, come up off your shit. And I was like, oh, man. And I looked at him. And, I, and to go back to bring this all full circle, I was like, man, I just got $3 and quarters, dog. You can have this shit. <laughs> I was like, you can, you can have this shit. And my boy's the same way. He, he just has some quarters. They ain't take our beepers, and they, but they took his gold chain. And then he got mad, and he was just like, I can't believe they did that shit to me. And I'm like, you fucking idiot. Like, what did you think was going to happen? Like, they, and they were, they were like from the brownies, I believe, in Vegas. Anybody know about the brownies? And I was just like, yo, they, they, they was going to kill you, fool. Like, what is wrong with you? Like, why was you talking shit? Well, I ain't no punk. I was like, you going home broke. Took all your money. Like, <laughs> just ridiculous, man. But Vegas was Savage City, man. Whether it was all that shit you see on TV and all the, the white people shit that you see. No, nah, there's another side of Vegas where black people dwell that is like a living hell. But it was fun. And I had a blast. Shout out to the West Side. <laughs> right. <laughs> Oh man, no, that's hilarious! You, you only lost three, three dollars a quarter. Three dollars so. a quarter. That was good. I just couldn't call like no did. girls that night. Yeah, but boy, did we talked shit about him you. the next day because we didn't care. We was like, "Oh, we're about to run him on you." It's a wrap. Everybody's gonna hear about this shit, <laughs> your dumbass. Got his chain pop. Oh man, yeah, damn shame for him. I'm glad you didn't drop his name. <laughs> nah, it's time to talk about what we usually talk about, and that's combat sports. I mean, half an hour in of storytelling but uh pro wrestling had some stories outside of the ring as well that we got to touch on so first up why is your boy booker t walling out it's not my in boy. every interview like i i'm not mistaken right like this is the guy where for years all of us any black wrestling fan said he should have went over on triple h oh my god it was so wrong and he should have been the world champion 
This is that same Booker T. This is the same Booker T who I believe has a wrestling school in Texas mm -hmm. with a majority of black wrestler, wrestlers and wrestling talent. I would believe that means that his goal is to bring more diversity to pro wrestling, to elevate those students that he teaches. How do you get black students if you tell them that they shouldn't be champion? Or for any reason that this gimmick's not good enough, this body type's not good enough, you can't do this. How do you get people to come to you to learn? Because to me, and you know, there's the brass ring in WWE, the people say there's this glass ceiling. My brother's putting a glass ceiling under their glass ceiling. It's a double ceiling. And for people listening, if you don't know, real quick, this... He said many wild shit lately, but the thing that really took off on social media is him saying that Big E does not have what it takes to be the main WWE champion. <laughs> it's funny because we're like, did you listen to the podcast last week? <laughs> <laughs> like, it, it doesn't have what it takes, at least with the New Day gimmick. Yeah, so let's start with this. We'll start with Booker because even before that, it was him shitting on the Naomi hashtag that Naomi deserves oh, more, yep. whatever it was. And... It, I guess somebody hit me too prior to that. He was shitting on Sasha Banks for being a spoiled brat uh, when she left. And uh, so Booker has been a wrestler who we have gone to bat for because of him getting squashed by Triple H at WrestleMania. Not squashed, but, squash, but you know, he got yeah. pedigree. He didn't even kick out. The slowest three count ever after that whole racial angle. And everybody was pissed. We've gone to bat for Booker T. But if you ever noticed, Booker T has really not gone to bat for himself. Booker T has been the guy who has been like, no, nah, I didn't see any racism. No, I didn't think it was a racist angle. We should have knew then, but we yeah, didn't. should forgive Hulk Hogan. Second yeah. chances, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we'll go back to, like, Booker T. Booker T is also the man who was in Detroit and allowed Vince McMahon to drop the N-word in front of him. Now, I'm not sure exactly what he was supposed to do about it. Is Vince McMahon and his company back then? So I'll give that a pass in the sense that your boss did it, and whatever you think, uh, maybe you couldn't have punched him on, on the mouth right then and there. I'm sure. Well, I'm not even sure. Maybe they ran it by you. Maybe they didn't. But I, it's, it starts to compound on top of itself. In another interview, he talks about Michael Hayes not being a racist and him saying the N word around him, but he sees him as a different person. He doesn't see think he's a racist now. Confederate flag waving guy who's been accused of being a racist before, but Booker T for some reason don't see this shit. We should have known then. So now here he comes, talking about Naomi first. That she doesn't deserve more. She needs to show and prove. Then he goes out of his way to talk about Biggie. And the reason why I say he goes out of his way is both of these times that we spoke up about black wrestlers. He wasn't asked about Biggie being the top guy. He was asked about Biggie having a singles run, and he said. The faction is a problem, and the colors are a problem. Now, my immediate counter is Shawn Michaels was in DX. Triple yep. H was in DX. The Rock was in um, with the, corporate, the corporation. No, he was in the corporation, oh, corporation when he won the WWE Championship. Fair. He was in the corporation. John Cena wore fluorescent colors. Randy Savage wore fluorescent colors. What the fuck are you talking about? What do you mean this can't get over? Now, there's a... The, there's a theory that there's what's good for the goose is good for the gander. Now, Booker 
couldn't be the top guy. But we also have to remember that Booker T won the championship by being a fake king with a fake-ass ridiculous accent. But he was the champion. And you're going to tell Big E or the people around Big E that he can't get over doing that, but you can get over being a fake-ass king with a terrible accent? It's ridiculous. The issue is, <laughs> the issue here is, there's a certain sect of black people who, I don't want to call it jealousy, but they want to see things, they want to see the future work as hard as they did. But the whole point of breaking down barriers and doors is for the future to not have to work as hard as you did. Yes, you want them to understand the business or what it takes to get there, but the, the racial hurdles that you have to deal with, you don't want the future generation to deal with. So when I saw Booker T coming out saying this about Big E and saying this about Naomi, where's your, this energy for white wrestlers? Just because you're black does not mean you have to speak on black wrestlers in a negative light to make white people happy or to just to feel comfortable in your own skin as the gatekeeper of blackness. I have a problem with this, man. I've got a huge problem with it because why are you going out of your way to do it? If that's how you feel, if that's truly how you feel, the biggie can't get, get over with that gimmick, keep that shit to yourself because no, nobody asked him. If that's truly how you feel about Naomi, even though Naomi was a champion already, and people are saying Naomi deserves better, it's because the SmackDown women ain't really doing shit. And she's ultra talented. But if you really feel that way, you ain't got to say this shit publicly. Because at a certain point, not that you're Jason Whitlock, but a certain group of people will embrace you in that light because they were like, well, we'll go to Booker because we know he's going to shit on black people. We know he's going to shit on black wrestlers. Yep. And I, I just don't understand this. And it, as a fan of Harlem Heat, as a fan of Booker T, I need somebody to pull his coat, a black wrestler, because there's not a lot of black wrestlers with seniority in WWE or wherever they are today. There's not a whole lot. There's Ron Simmons. There's Booker T. There's Mark Henry. Like, who else is really around that we're like top guys as black wrestlers from the Attitude Area and the Monday Night Wars? It's like the key guys. I don't know if they're in cahoots together, but I wish somebody would step in and be like, yo, Book, do you see how this looks? It seems like every week you're talking bad about a black wrestler. That shit ain't cool. That shit, it just don't look good. If you don't think he's going to get over, cool. Like, keep that shit to yourself. But for some reason, it's not, it's Naomi, the Naomi hashtag isn't because Naomi's whack. The Big E, ha the big e push that everybody's getting excited about isn't because Big E's whack. It's because it's fucking overdue. I wish he'd see that side of it first. That's why we're pressing so hard for it. Because we all said Big E deserves that opportunity. And maybe, Booker, you didn't get it. But that doesn't mean you're the gatekeeper of black champions, dude. You're not it. Don't do that. Support him. Support him. But keep everything else to yourself. Stop doing that shit on the public forum. You failed to mention G.I. Bro. Were you not a fan of G.I. Bro? Fuck no. <laughs> No, no. G.I. Bro couldn't be heavyweight champ? See, Is this I, what we're dog, saying? I get... Look, I get you had to do what you had to do. And that's why I talked about, like, with Booker having to deal with Vince McMahon saying the N-word in front of him on live television. And then Booker having to go, tell me you didn't say that. Like, he had to do that, right? But he did it. But I guarantee you, it shouldn't be, like, Big E or Kofi or Xavier Woods or Naomi or Ricochet or Cedric. If Vince were to pull that shit in 2020... Booker shouldn't come around and be like, well, this shit happened to me. No, man. 
we're past that. And we're not looking at you crazy because it necessarily happened. We're looking at you crazy now is because you let it happen. And now you're being judgmental on the new generation. Like, Booker, you were a king with a fraudulent British accent that was fucking horrible. And you became <laughs> the champion. You and Queen Charmel. And we were cool with that. It was a goofy-ass gimmick. But then you're going to come out the side of your neck and say he can't get over because he's not serious enough? Are you for real? Did you pay attention to your own career? Because that shit was a joke. And he turned that joke into a million bucks. He became champion. And it's great to see, even though they taped SmackDown, the day after that, we watched Biggie rolling down the ramp in his singles match against the Miz. Don't change. Because <laughs> doing what doing what Biggie, Woods, and Kofi was doing before they were the New Day is a reason why they're over now. Because the New Day, before they became the New Day, were a bunch of guys who were not getting pushes. Yep. So I don't know what the fuck Booker's talking about. Be more serious. Be, don't wear colors. Doc, did you see where they were before the New Day? Nowhere. Woods was doing nothing. Dancing. Biggie was just big muscle head. <laughs> nothing. Kofi was a great worker who didn't get very far than the IC title for 11 years. Yep. Cut it out, Booker. And Kofi just won it with the same gimmick. It's not like you can't say, oh, no one can. Kofi was in the faction, won it with the same gimmick, never changed, and was what? Probably the best WrestleMania moment of the past five years? For us, yeah. For a lot of people, yes. For a lot of people. Since WrestleMania? Yeah. It's probably the best moment since WrestleMania. Maybe not best match, but and the match was good. The match was excellent. But you know, but it was just one of those like moment, like this is a WrestleMania moment. That's the best one since WrestleMania. Yeah. But so I it's like, come it. on, it's, it's it's a ridiculous ass take from someone. I'm gonna give them time. You you always say, yo, you know what? Don't rush. Don't be, you know, don't say words that are very harsh. Reserve those words. I'm going to give him time. But he, he's, he's stepping towards Whitlocking. <laughs> there's, there's no worse just thing I can put on a black man. They say, you know what, my brother? You're Whitlocking. He's getting close. I, I, like I said, I hope. Don't, don't be that guy. Don't be that black guy. I would like, like to hope that he doesn't actually recognize what he's doing. And somebody needs to tell him, like, yo, this is what it looks like. But if he's keenly aware of what he's doing, yeah, we're going to have a problem. Yeah, like, listen, I'm not telling, and you got radio shows, I understand. Certain things you got to speak on, right? Like, you have a platform. So he can't run from everything. And if they ask him about black athletes, because he's a black athlete, I understand that as well. I'm not telling the man to lie. But you also have to realize your responsibility in that role. That is like Doug Williams shitting on every black quarterback who came after him. At a point, you got to realize it is also my duty to make sure that these black quarterbacks can get jobs in the NFL. You'd like to hope so. Some people just aren't that way. You can't. It, it's ridiculous. It is like, ridiculous. Even if someone's bad, listen, I, I'm not a hypocrite. I, I make fun and poke fun sometimes at black media members who aren't very good at their job. Yeah, uh-huh. I do this from time to time. 
we are in positions at companies that are, you know, very well respected. If they came to me for whatever reason, probably because I'm black, I was like, yo, Kel, we're trying to hire so-and-so black journalist. What do you think? If they aren't good, I'm going to be like, you know what? I, I don't know if they're right for this position. They, they got some other stuff they really got to change. I don't think right now is the time. If he wanted to say Big E can't be champion in that gimmick, that's fine. Say, you know what? I'm not sure. I want to see a singles push. We haven't seen him in a long time in a singles push on the main roster. I need to see more before I can say he, he should be champion. That's it. You didn't lie. But also, you have that responsibility to not fucking crush this other guy. Because you know where he's coming from. I just don't like the hypocrisy. I just don't like the things that he said were straight up like, come on. Like, I just yeah. brought up, like, off the top of my head, I was like, did you watch John Cena wrestle? Motherfucker wore jorts and green the fluorescent t shirts. Highlighter colors. Right. Yeah. Like, he wore fluorescent tees and jorts and was champ forever. You were King, you were king Booker and held the title. Yeah, like, End of discussion. The, the hypocrisy's gotta, gotta stop. You gotta, you can't be a hypocrite in that sense, and I, that's that was my biggest problem. If he said, yeah, like you mentioned, oh man, I'm not sure. I gotta see him have a singles run. Can he sustain? Blah blah blah. Cool. Or I gotta see his in ring. But even in ring, like, come on, man, Braun Strowman's champion. Get the fuck out of here. So it's like you can, <laughs> you don't have to go that far. But it's just a matter of let's just wait and see. I think he's talented, or I think he's, he could be an excellent promo. You could even say something as simple as, I'd like to see him with a little more edge. But don't say he can't do it because X, Y, and Z when we've clearly seen white champions do it with all those things. The faction yeah. thing was so stupid to me. It's like, really? Triple H was always in a part of a faction. Yep. Evolution. I mean, you, you go down the line. Most, I mean, what, Rollins now has a faction behind him. He's going to get the belt again. For the past five years, the WWE champion has come from a faction. Yeah, or, or, but I'm saying that he could the be the same a, faction, whatever the fuck they were. Uh, the Shield. You, but I'm saying that you could be an active member of a faction to be champion. Shawn Michaels was actively in DX. Triple H was actively in Evolution, DX. Uh, what the hell? Uh, what the hell was it? Him and uh, him and Stephanie and whatever the fuck they built. Wasn't they? They didn't call themselves a corporation. I can't remember what they called themselves. Yeah, no, nah, they were. Uh, I'll get it here in a second, but I know what you're. Yeah, talking. but he was always part of something. Always, always part of something. Damn, damn Daniel Bryan was fighting them. Yeah, it's just the authority. Uh, the authority. Boom. Yes. There you go. There, there's always <laughs> been like Randy Orton was part of. You know, obviously kicked him out, but like factions and champions, it's fine. Look, dog, Ric Flair. Was is won the title more than fucking anybody, and he's always been a horseman. <laughs> always. Like, come on, man. Like, don't say dumb shit like that. So, Booker, check yourself. Check yourself. Realizing that you're doing more harm than good. You're not being helpful in this situation. And those of us who are, have watched this and have rooted for you, yeah, we're a little disappointed in you. Yeah, a little disappointed. It's like when Jim Brown came out and said some wild shit. Yeah, you know what? About Kaepernick. It was like, oh, man. Yeah, that's sad. Ray, Ray Lewis on that list, too. Fucking Ray Lewis. <laughs> Broke my heart. <laughs> anyway, let's hit the break real quick. When we come back, we'll touch on another subject that has to do with this and then talk uh, non-WWE wrestling. So we're going to talk uh, talking Shop of Mania and AEW from this past week rolling into this week. So you guys stay tuned. We'll be right back.
All right, we'll get back to the show in a second. But first, have you heard of DealDash.com? It's the best, most honest bidding site where you can win things you'd never expect at a price you'd never believe. They have over a thousand auctions every day on electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor, and even cars. You know, you got to keep the whip fresh and there's no better time to spend after the pandemic than rolling around showing off a new whip. So here's how it works. It's like an auction, but every item starts at $0 and only goes up one cent every time you bid. The kicker is that the auction clock restarts after just 10 seconds. That means every time you bid, everyone else has 10 seconds to answer on the item. If they don't, then it's yours. So if you go ahead and buy now, DealDash is offering our listeners an extra 100 free bids upon sign-up. Go to DealDash.com and use the offer code CORNER or DealDash.FM CORNER. That's D-E-A-L-D-A-S-H dot F-M backslash corner. All right, everybody, just that quick, we are back. And before we get into Talking Shop Amania, not Palooza, Talking Shop Amania, we have to talk real quick, Dre, about a video that surfaced online of Excalibur saying the N-word several times. People were on his ass. Excalibur, um, one of the commentary, or what is he? He's on the commentary booth? Yeah, commentary team, AEW. Yeah, he's AEW's commentary team. Um, for a second, he disappeared, and I thought he was like a backstage guy, but I guess he's back. He was back last week. Um, so Excalibur saying the N-word in the Indies what appeared to be around like 10 years ago in this video and then also in the same video towards the end is kevin owens who is now i mean you look at it you know kevin sticks up for a lot of good shit people wouldn't necessarily associate this with kevin owens but then the video comes out and lo and behold yeah he's on there he's saying the n-word as well and this is one of those and we talk a lot about the culture we're in right and people digging and finding shit from 10 years ago and how people should react when this happens to them how to be sincere yada 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 um in this case though i I would say i like sammy corvera i can't really give a pass and even though in this case maybe it was part of the angle i don't know neither of them has spoken up to my knowledge Maybe it's part of the angle. Maybe it was scripted. Maybe it's like a kayfabe thing to say the N-word in that angle. Um, it's still wrong to use it in an angle. Quote-unquote, Vince McMahon, talking to you. Um, it's still wrong to use the N-word in an angle. And I feel like someone should be smart enough to be like, yeah, nah, that's not the way to go. Yeah. Um. So I, I get it from the sense of when we talk about storylines, they've used the N-word routinely in the past for angles. And they've, they've used stereotypes. That's why we have yep. the panel race. Wrestle with stereotypes. Um, and use that to get heat. And in both of those videos, well, the first one with Excalibur and Kevin Owens when uh, Disco Machine, I believe his name was, uh, it was PWG showing Reseda and both of them used the N-word. They were heels clearly playing a role. Caliber, the video by himself, I guess he was a heel as well, playing a role. Now, ill-advised, bad idea. And just like I yeah. talked about at the top of the show, we've all made mistakes in the past, right? We all do things that we're not necessarily proud of. However, I haven't, you know, I'm not a white man that said the N-word, which you should be smarter than to do. 
Granted, there are tons of white people who are running out in the streets today. I'm looking at you, Mike Perry, who are using the N-word routinely as not part of a gimmick, as part of who they are, and nobody said boo to them. So the complicated thing about this is, was it wrong? Yeah. I wouldn't have done it. Rub me the wrong way. But I get that what they were trying to do, I just don't like it. So in the case of Excalibur and Kevin Owens, as soon as that video surfaced, because this, this is what I said, them shits is going to come out. And I'm sure they probably forgot about it to a degree. Oh, I'm sure of it. But once that shit gets out there, you need to apologize and get in front of it. Silence doesn't really help the matter because, yeah, I mean, you can be not say shit and be a Doja Cat and the shit just goes away and then you're back doing the thing that you used to do. Like Doja Cat is... Showing feet? Yeah, showing feet in chat rooms. Showing feet in chat rooms. But, um... If you're Kevin Owens and you're on weekly television, you have this rabid pro wrestling fan base, and you're Excalibur and you're on AEW who prides himself on diversity, even though they get criticized a lot for a lack thereof to a degree. Yep, pretty much. The Your job is to get in front of this. It comes out, somebody told you, oh shit, Kevin, do you remember this? <gasps> no. Well, you did it. It's on video. What are you going to do about it? And maybe... In Kevin Owens' case, maybe the WWE was like, don't you say anything. We need yeah. to handle this from talent relations. Maybe he said something to the locker room. Yeah, maybe. You never know. Like, you got you to gotta say something to somebody somewhere. Yeah, so I, this is a maybe. I don't know what happens, but I, I know for a fact when you work with a corporation and something can become a PR nightmare, you just can't run out there recklessly and just say whatever's on your mind. So maybe the WWE was like, yo, chill. We got to talk about this and we got to figure this shit out. Because you can say the wrong thing if you don't word this right. Whatever, whatever, whatever. Excalibur's case is kind of the same thing. They pulled him from Dynamite uh, last week. He wasn't on commentary. They replaced him with Taz. and But nothing's been said. I just hope that both sides don't think this shit is just going to go away. I hope both sides are really considering their options and how to properly apologize. Because for both Excalibur and Kevin Owens, it was before they were in their respective companies. So they should be able to address this. It was so far gone long ago, they could say, I can see the error in my ways. I apologize for my actions. Don't try to justify it. Don't even say, well, we did it for heat. Don't even do that. Just say it was wrong. It was wrong. I'd never do it again. I would never repeat those actions. And I apologize to any any of my allies that I've hurt in the process and move on. But if you don't do that, Hell is to pay because they're, they're going to come for you, man. People ain't going to let this shit go, especially in pro wrestling when so many people hate the WWE and so many people hate AEW and are just looking for reasons to sink their teeth into. Y'all got to get ahead of this shit. Do not expect because no ridiculous mark of pro wrestling is going to just let this go. They're going to find you. No, I agree. And it it may die down for right now, but it's the first thing that will pop up when someone wants something. You know, wants a reason to take you down. Yeah. So might as well address it now. Don't let it become an elephant in the room when you can squash it and talk about it way before it gets to that level. Yeah. So, yeah, man, it's it's, it's crazy to see that. My surprise? No. Do I think there's plenty more of this out there? Of course. So it just comes down to... If you know it's in your past, if you forgot about it, if you know you get caught slipping, again, 
just get out in front, apologize, explain why you're better today, and that's all you can do. If people still dislike you, then it's out of your hands. But they got to be smart about it. Um, Now, let's roll into two very smart men who put together the worst damn show ever. Talking Shop of Mania was uh we we sat down i pulled it up thanks to you alerting me at what time it started watched it from front to back started off with a crazy battle royal um it was all over the place jump in there was character work i think Heath slater was sting at one point <laughs> um there was elvis's there was a a larger woman <laughs> i believe with the foop out there was a, a man who showed up three different times, running around in the thong with his ass out. And there was a bunch of low blows, and, and it culminated in a boner, got it right now, boner yard match. I It was two hours, maybe a little over two hours, of lunacy, and I couldn't look away. So kudos to them. It was so shitty, we got to see it again. Look, man, I love this shit. The, the reason why I love this shit is because, like, when I say the WWE is bad at doing humor, like, they knew what they were doing. This was not about two-segment wrestling matches. This wasn't about putting on a five-star match. This was straight goofball shit. Yep. Every aspect of it, from Freight Train coming out to Brian Pillman being the only one actually doing wrestling moves, Hornswoggle battling all through uh, um, Gallows' house, to yeah, the uh, this there was just so much to um god damn it, I can't remember Cardona Swaggle, by the way, right? Like it was a horn swaggle. There was uh, there was just so much ridiculousness in the boner yard match where they, they basically joked about them supposing like when they were gonna sign with AEW and then decided not to and took the deal the re signing with WWE, they joked with that. I mean, it was so dumb and ridiculous that anybody who watches like this is the worst pay per view ever, yeah, that was the goal. The goal was never for this to be like, oh, man, look at this wrestling. Gals and Anderson, like, when you watch this, and Rocky Romero as well, and Chavo Guerrero. Um, <laughs> Shout out to Chavo with the three amigos. Oh, God. The, the Chavo had three amigos. Rocky Romero wore a mask over his mask for social distancing. <laughs> so stupid. But these guys have a fucking tremendous sense of humor. And to see that they were misused. In, in WWE, they were clearly Gallows and Anderson were just misused. Sex Ferguson is fucking hilarious. Chad too bad in Sex Ferguson, the boner yard match. <laughs> the shit they were saying to each other, like, it was just so the, dumb. The Sex Ferguson taker promo oh my God. might be promo of the year, by the way. So good, but it, it's like they know how to do their own humor. So I enjoyed this. And people, if you didn't want to watch this, 15 bucks, man. If you didn't spend 15 bucks, sorry. I mean, it was fun. If you want some real wrestling, yeah, you can watch some other shit. But good for them. And when I talked to Gallows, I interviewed him for Sporting News. He's, he was hoping to do much more of these. Hopefully, it went over well. I had um, <clears throat> I actually texted him during the show, and I was like, I'm, I can't stop laughing. He's like, seriously? Because he, was, he wasn't sure how the humor would get over. And I was like, yeah, but this shit was fun. I, th- it was just re- it was so stupid. It was just so dumb. Yeah. I need to see this live. I need it. I need it during a Mania week. Yeah, yeah. We do need it during a Mania week. We do. Well, I mean, you know, post-Rona, when everything's safe, everything. I, I don't care if it's this year in L.A. or the future. I need this live. I need to be there. Yeah. 
This is something you get drunk over and just have a great oh, time. Oh, crazy. This, this would be incredible live. Um, nah, man, I agree. I, I thought it was a good top to bottom. Everything was a surprise to me. Because <laughs> right? there, there was like nothing given beforehand. No. It was like, yo, we got a wrestling show. Tune in if you want to pay. It's like, all right, shit. I don't know who was there. Um, Cold Stone Willie Mac <laughs> might have stole the night. <laughs> well, Willie Mac does a phenomenal Stone Cold Steve Austin impression. <laughs> But because he's chunky, they called him Cold Stone. And I don't know why I never thought of this, but I was I couldn't stop laughing. That was the best shit. I think he stole the night. Uh, so uh, him and Freight Train. Yes, him, Freight Train. I mean, Enzo made an appearance. The Rock and Roll Express selling merch at the Boneyard match. Like, it was just so stupid. Just so oh, dumb, man. I loved it. I don't know what we do with Enzo. You think he gets a second shot somewhere? No. I think he's kind of burnt a bunch of bridges. And the fact that he's never really was a good wrestler... Nobody really wants Doesn't to take that help. check. That roll the dice with him. So, no. Yes. Tough. Um, I don't know. His appearance, though. Maybe Impact? Maybe not. If Big Cass is healthy. I don't want Big Cass passing out everywhere. Um, yeah, man. So, that that was funny. Hopefully, there's more to come. Uh, just atrocious, though. Atrocious show <laughs> uh, by them. And then we have AW that passed this past week. Uh, just recapping some of the stuff that happened, kind of going into what is now the month build towards the next pay-per-view, which I believe is September 4th or, or 3rd that they're building up to all in again, uh, probably not in Chicago this year, but, you know, it's their flagship pay-per-views. Really, what, it was the first one that they had? Um, and then they came back with that Vegas card and, and kind of really got rolling, but... This was the their baby, and this is what I expect to be a very strong card because of that. But watching the weekly TV, I'm still not sure they've they've recaptured what they had maybe a month ago, month and a half ago. That there's something missing with the weekly show now. I'm glad to see numbers went back up though. Yeah, but no, but I don't I don't think anybody was really surprised over that. I think the WWE just tried to counter program and it was pretty evident what they were doing and then people just went back to what they were doing before yeah yeah it worked for a couple weeks for wwe but then yeah that was like whatever yeah so aw is basically in the uh spinning our wheels uh segment of the show where they're just doing shit just to pass time because these shows haven't necessarily been great past few weeks um and they're just kind of doing the same old shit uh cody defends against some indie person uh this week it was warhorse which Warhurst is pretty big in the Indies. Match was fine. Um, yeah, it was cool. I mean, I, I like the Rocker gimmick. Warhorse is, is all I right. I mean, again, it's fine. The The issue is not necessarily the work because the work was good in the match. It's like, well, where are we going with this? Because Cody's open challenge is always to an indie talent who comes in. Well, Eddie was signed. Eddie Kingston well, got yeah, signed. Yeah, Eddie Kingston got signed. Week. But it's always somebody yeah. that we've never seen on the roster, except for Sonny Kiss. But for the most part, it's been somebody that we hadn't seen on the roster. Um... So it's like, well, where do we go with this? And I, I think as the weeks pass, I think, like I've said before, is they're moving towards this Cody heel turn at some point. Okay. But I just need some progress with the story. Then we have uh, the weird way that Matt Cardona, formerly known as Zack Ryder, debuts. The, the Dark Order jump Cody after the match for reasons unknown. 
I was about to say, I didn't know they had beef. They didn't. They just I, This was just trying to find a way to get Cardone out there to help. Yeah, like, yeah, I was like, I'm pretty sure. I, did they blow off the feud with uh, Cocabana? No, it's still there. Cocabana drew. Okay, I didn't know if he joined. I, I was very confused. Yeah, it's still there, but yeah, it was a, uh, yeah, the, the, it was just a vehicle to get Cardone out there, and I don't know what it means. Cardone looks in phenomenal shape. I, don't, I have no idea yeah. what any of this means. Well, to be fair, he looked real boxy though. He kind of looked right backish. I don't know if I like the extra weight on him. He wasn't fluid. <laughs> I mean, we'll we'll see how the work rate is, right? Like we'll yeah, see how he looks yeah. when he gets starts working again. He needs a new finisher. Well, yeah, the rough ride. Because that. That rough rider did not look good with a just giant muscle bound man. Nah, it doesn't. Um, but for the most part, the show is just them again. I feel like they're just spinning their wheels. The FTR stuff uh, with the Bucks and Paige and Omega. Like, okay, that's my favorite angle. Right, I love now, it too. Kurt. But it's it's okay. Can we just fucking get there? Like that I, at a certain point, no, it's like because we're doing we this, can't get there for a month. Exactly. Obviously, so we're doing the same thing every week. So instead yeah. of doing the same thing every week. Just do a film a segment off camera, a promo, something. I don't need to see them doing the same exact thing every week. So Agreed. that um, what else was there? MJF had his campaign. Yeah, man. I see playing off the election. I don't mind. It. I don't mind it, but he's not ready to be champ. Moxie's not ready to drop the title. No, and for don't burn another town. Exactly. Don't burn through another town. All I ask for. I don't know why this is so fucking hard. All I've asked for on both shows, Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AEW, is give me a feud. Give me a feud. Not a match. Not a three-week build and a blow-off. A feud. Keith Lee... What's the best feud in any company? Uh, the best feud. Not The hell with match quality. Just storyline best feud. Holy crap. I can't even think. I think if I had to put it out there, AEW... As weird and up and down as they've been, has the best feud right now. Which feud are you talking about? Orange Cassidy Jericho. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah you're absolutely. I right. I think yeah. it's 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 been over four or five weeks. It's done what it's supposed to do for Orange Cassidy. I think that's the best feud in anyone. Even though I think this Keith Lee feud has has some legs. I, I think that him and Karrion Cross, even though they rush Cross into it, I think it could be something very good. I like both of their promos this week. I think that was Keith Lee's best promo. So that has has potential, but it's still, again, it's not a very long-standing thing. I think Jericho, Orange Cassidy, is the best one in any of those companies. Yeah. Unless you count Bray Wyatt. I I won't count. I like the Fiend shit. I won't count the Wyatt shit. We'll, and in, ring, in ring aside, I really like what the Fiend is doing. If it wasn't for the belt... I'd be super happy. Yeah, he could do that shit by himself. We'll talk about that in a minute because we don't really... He'd do that shit against a mop. <laughs> He's just good. Yeah. But it ain't, But that, that's the problem is that John Moxley hasn't actually been in a feud and he's a champ. Yep. Everybody else has a program that's lasted longer than four weeks. Everything that Moxley's done since the pandemic has been four weeks long and they blow it off. Bro- when was the eye, the eye match? That was his only feud. That was Jericho. Jericho, right? But when was... That and he was won the title. Still? That was February. Oh, that was pre-pandemic. Okay, yeah, no. Yeah. Since then, it was Brody Lee, it was Brian yeah. Cage, like because remember he was out for a minute. It was Brody yeah. Lee, Brian Cage, and now it seems like they're going into MJF. I don't understand the idea of you beat Brody Lee, you beat Brian Cage, and they just go away. That's not a feud. 
It's a match. Well, Cage is still there. I thought they were continuing this because they just had a tag team match. But it's like they're moving, but it seems like they're moving Cage into something else with either Darby Allen or whatever the hell they're doing. They're not really moving Cage as somebody who lost the, his title opportunity and wants it back. Yeah. It's kind of like no. he's like, eh, I'll maybe maybe some other time. Stark is great, by the he way. He is. Brody Lee lost the title and just got shuffled into the mid card. <laughs> You're being generous with the word mid-card. I mean, you know it is. Flying loose and fast with mid-card when you're talking about Brody Lee versus Colt Cabana. It's just, I mean, it, it's, it's ridiculous because he's so good. And I think if you, if you started the Dark Order and didn't call it the Dark Order and you started it with Brody Lee first, this could have had legs. But you kind of shoehorned him into something that was established that was lukewarm. And now he's the leader of it. And even though like some of those segments were really good, we still look at it as the Dark Order. So when it's like he goes back to it after losing his title opportunity, it's like, eh. Cole Cabana? Yeah, okay. This is going to open our eyes to how many people were truly used by WWE or how many people just aren't as special as we thought. Well, like, I mean... Let's be fair. Ty Dillinger, no one thought he was for that special. No. Like, okay, I, I give you that. Um, but when people were like, you know, Zack Ryder deserved the bigger... Does he? We'll see. Right? Like, you, you look at a guy where everyone's like, oh, Brody Lee should have been pushed. Or, you know, in WWE and all that. Like, yeah, Brody Lee was so great. But what is he? This is now the place where it's completely open to sink or swim. And... Again, but how many times can you say not by any fault of his own? Well, you know, how many times can you blame others? Well, you kind of have to blame others because that's what booking is for, right? Like, sir, But how many different promotions miss on a guy? No, maybe all the promotions are just like, this is what he is. Nah, I don't think so. In the case of Brody Lee, who was good on the independence. He got time. Yeah, yeah he got he time. Was, he was good elsewhere. This isn't, yeah, this isn't indies, though. Like, this is, I'm talking storyline. Yeah, I mean, bro- television. Building feud. The guy can wrestle. He'll wrestle the fucking boots off someone. I'm talking about what he brings to a company that is a television entity. Putting butts in the seats. It's just... I'm not sure what he is. He has time. He's just in a, he's I, in a bad angle. He's, again, he's just in a bad again, angle. That's the story of his life. Again. That's not the story of his life because he's wrestled outside I mean, this company. <laughs> I mean, because he... Yeah, I mean, eight years. He was, he's he been was in Ring of Honor. He was big in, been in Dragon Gate. Like, he's done stuff elsewhere. No, he's been great. Yes, correct. It's just, I... I like, that. the Bray Wyatt thing, the Wyatt family was great for what it was. I thought it was. I thought he should have got the belt when they put it on Bray for Orton. Yeah, like, everybody looked at Luke Harper and was like, oh, this is great stuff. Like, nobody thought the Wyatt family was whack. Except for the WWE, no. I guess. I like the Luke Harper gimmick, believe it or not. I mean, they the Wyatt Family Shield match was excellent. And what what Harper did as being basically the muscle with Bray was great. Yeah, he was the workhorse of the crew. But when they when they split the Wyatt from and the WWE does this shit all the time. When they split them and they just gave him two giant sledgehammers, it was like, "All right, you guys what the fuck?" Oh, the Bludgeon Brothers. Yeah, like that's that's when shit went south cuz there was no plan. Now, in the case of Brody Lee being in AEW and leading Dark Order, like the promo work is good. It's been really good. Yeah. But the Dark Order sucks. So it's like, <laughs> it's, and, and, and the funny thing is, uh, the Smash Bros, or Evil evil in a, uh, what it, uh, shit. Uh, Uno. And Stu. 
Evil Uno and Stu. and Stu Grayson. They had a great match with Paige and Omega. That was their best match since they got in AEW. Yeah, the triple threat. Yeah, or no? No, it was a tag. Not even a triple threat. Straight up tag yeah, team match. This week's was tag team match. They were in a good. No, that was Butcher and yeah. Blade. No, no, that, that it was a great match. But the stink of the Dark Order is really hard for anybody to get off them right now because mm. it stinks. So I, I'm not it's nonsensical. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I don't look at Brody as like I can't blame him for any of this. I can bro- blame Sean Spears because Sean Spears is whack. But he, he's just whack. There's nothing you can really do about it. Like. Um, Jake Hager, he's whack. Well, there's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing there. LAX has Sean Spears been on TV? Nah, not really. Damn. But like LAX, like they'll be fine because you can see it. They, we know they can wrestle. We know they're great te- characters. You just gotta let them loose. Shout out to Justin Ivy, free LAX. <laughs> they'll get their opportunities. But the point is, AEW's kind of spinning their wheels, like bubbling these other feuds. But their main title is not like in a blood feud. So you're going to get to a pay-per-view with uh, Moxley versus MJF. And only one of two things can happen here. Like Moxley loses and loses the title to a guy who I think would get the title way too early. Or Moxley wins and turns back another person. Because remember, MJF hasn't lost in singles competition all year. So how do you do this? They could have kept MJF out of this situation. They could have found a way. Could find them another feud. Yep. But they didn't. And now they're, they're just doing bad shit. Somebody got to beat Cody. Exactly. Cody doesn't need that belt necessarily. But see, they, they kind of ran this angle already. So they're, they're stuck in a spot where, and it's wild because you have all this talent. Like you bring in all this talent. And now you, you're pairing MJF with Moxley. And MJF is so good that it's hard to go, well, we kind of blow this one off too. No, you can't. You can't blow MJF off. He's one of the best you got. Especially on the mic. He loses. Will he be okay? Sure. But we've run this gamut too many times. AEW's got to figure this one out. It's the one thing that I really don't like about Dynamite from week to week. Moxley's just kind of just doing shit. It's not fun. Yep. Yeah, man. I, I agree. It's it's in a weird space that they're in. Um, before you hit the break, are you happy to see the Funkodactyl debut? No. <laughs> that was so weird, man. How do you get? They're like, yo, push Naomi is trending. Can we get Naomi? No, we can't get Naomi. Fuck it. What's the name of the Arian, other one? Uh, yeah, Arian, yeah. Let's get her. <laughs> yo, yo, that's how that's how the conversation so went. Bad. I mean, maybe she's she got better. Good. Look, maybe we're yeah. all wrong, and she's gotten better. But I don't think so. No, I don't think so either. I think the chances of that are slim to none. Yeah. So, uh, I we'll see. We'll see what comes of this women's tag team tournament. But even with that, I heard like talks of it only being on YouTube. Yeah, this one's supposed to be on Monday, and it's like, all right, okay. I mean, look, man, I don't need necessarily need the uh, the Nightmare Sisters to take up time on my television. But this whole thing playing out on YouTube, not on Dark, on allegedly, I think it's reportedly Mondays, it's kind of weird. Yeah, I mean, I already don't watch AEW Dark. No, I don't have time for that shit. So, expecting me to have time for this is another reach. Yeah. You know, like, it, it's doing a lot. Oh, and then you throw in the fucking Young Bucks YouTube show that's still going. Yeah. And I guess building feuds. 
So if y'all watch that I shit, good for y'all. I treat it like 205 Live. I ain't got time for that shit. Listen, we will not disrespect 205 Live. Like, why does 205 Live have to just catch a stroke? Because, because I, I don't have Biden time to watch business. it. I don't think, I, I don't believe <laughs> it's bad. I believe that there's so much going on that's really hard to get people invested in something that nobody's really watching. I agree. I'm trying to really stick to Impact, so I don't have time for AEW Dark. Yeah, you got to make My Tuesdays, I try to have Impact on and keep up with it now. So, yeah, not not enough time in the day, not enough televisions on the wall. Sorry, <laughs> AEW fan. Flexor. Not enough televisions on the <laughs> <Yeah>. wall. Really? <laughs> Listen, I could use a fourth. Uh, you guys stay right there. We're going to hit one more break when we come back. Touching on WWE, NXT, everything main roster. Stay right there. All right, everybody. Another short break. But first, we have to let you know, sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball has finally kicked off this week, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champ Robert Ory. See what they had to say on what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. All right, we are in the home stretch. It's time for WWE, and we're kicking off with NXT because we always save the main roster for last. I do not want to depress the old man. So, NXT, I thought it was an okay show, but much like AEW, I just don't know where we're ending up with a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, I do. I, I see the trend now where the mid-card title is doing what it's supposed to do, right? It's going to be a reset for fresh talent. And this is how you get people who aren't Finn Balor's, Johnny Gargano, Tommaso Ciampa. Like, you, you have those established guys on, you know, Undisputed Era. You have those guys where they are, and you can build feuds kind of on the fly with those guys because you're going to get really good matches, right? You don't got to spend a ton of time with that. What you do have to really invest and spend time on is this mid-card and seeing who your next stars are. And I, I get the impression that that's where they're going. So they have the triple threat, Finn, Thatcher, Loomis, which I thought worked out pretty well in ring. Thatcher is really growing on me. I like how he's, he's mixed the character in with the in-ring style. It makes sense. And then for Loomis to win, it was a good way for him to win without weakening anyone else. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, no, the match was good. Uh, I, this ladder match is going to be really strange to me because if it, like you said, it feels like they're moving in a direction where they're going to get all new people involved. Which yep. I wouldn't have minded this if this was the initial direction of the North American title, but they had put it on so many like truly established guys, and um. Looking at it now, like I, I mean, I hope it's really good. I hope you know guys like Bronson Reed can really shine. I'm I'm really curious who put they put this title on. Uh, I mean, have they put it on established guys though? Adam Cole. Cole was the first, 
But he was still working his way up to the title. Yeah, but I so mean, it made sense. Like Ricochet, Gar- Gargano, Gargano working his way mm-hmm. back up to the title. But I'm saying that they were there. Like we're taking. I, I, I'm sorry. Maybe it's just I'm really using Bronson Reed, a guy who like get murdered in a match, and we're elevating yeah. him. So. I'm not mad. Yeah, I'm, you're taking someone completely cold. Yeah, it's like it's not like yeah. I mean and Loomis. He's he's a weird one. Um, I can't figure it out with him. Some some weeks I think he's totally fine. Some weeks I'm like this gimmick is kind of whack. Um, so it could all work out. Who's in this next one? Damian Priest. Uh, I can't remember. Uh, I'm gonna look right only now. Only Lorcan. I'm assuming Damian. I believe only Priest is winning this. Yeah, Only Lorcan is not winning anything. <laughs> and I like Only. Like, you know, I, I like what he does, but I can be real in saying only Lorcan's not winning a damn thing when it comes to this uh, three-way match. So in this next one, we have it not advertised on their social media. Well, there you Isn't go. that great? Anyway. Yeah, I guess it doesn't matter that much. Well, we'll get that later on in the week, and I will tell you exactly who is uh, wrestling in it. <laughs> but even... <laughs> Even that, it's like, okay, you're establishing new people. My only problem is is we still have to get a good takeover match out of it. Yeah. And none of these guys are built for a ladder. No, that, and that was going to be my next thing. I was like, well, does it have to be a ladder match? We just did one of these. Like, this is how we got the title the first time with the North American title was through a ladder match. And it's cool if you got guys that you look at and go, oh, shit, this could work. But immediately I look at Dexter Loomis and I look at Bronson Reed and I was like, eh, I don't know. But I could be totally wrong. I could be totally wrong. And Reed can show us some shit we've never seen before. Loomis could be a high flyer. I don't know. Um, <laughs> That'd be some shit. That's a different character. It would be. But I, right there. I'm going to give it a chance. Um, what I want to touch on Lee and Cross real quick. Because I don't like this. I don't. Really? I don't. Only because neither of them should lose. Right? Yeah, like, yeah, it's really irking me. Like, I, like, the promo that Keith Lee delivered was cool. Um, you know, I like the, 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 using Dijak as the guy to get Keith upset with Cross makes sense if they, if I felt like they were building to this and not, we got like, what, two weeks until takeover? Two and a half weeks? Three. 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 Today's the second, so three weeks. Okay, so three weeks until takeover. Man, I'm not feeling like they can really build this to a boiling point that I would care about. And you're right, neither of them should lose. And I was watching a What Culture video, and I sent to you guys in the group chat, about the biggest error that the WWE has been making is they've been reacting to AEW, and I felt like they've been listening to this podcast. Because that SummerSlam should have really been Cole versus Lee. The more I think about it, the more annoyed I get about it. Because Cole versus Lee, champ versus champ, was never built. It was just a match. And, uh, yeah. and he won. He won both titles on a regular-ass show. I don't care if you call it Great American Bash. It had no build. That should have happened at SummerSlam. And that should have been Keith Lee's crowning moment in a feud with yeah. somebody that's held the title forever instead of hot-shotting it, not not either wrestler, but hot-shotting the feud, which never became a feud. It was just a match. They should have did this now, and then we could have built to cross. I felt like there was no... Then it would have been fine. Yeah, it's like we didn't get what we wanted out of Cole versus Lee. And the other problem is Cole's still hanging around. Like, that's what's baffling to me, this whole Pat McAfee shit. He's still hanging around. 
So why did you even take the title off him? You could have done this Keith Lee versus Adam Cole match at SummerSlam if you're just going to keep Cole around. Not to pop a rating in AEW for one week. They didn't have to do that. That no, I agree. I think I mean it's clear that they were counter programming, and um, even though Triple H said they're counter programming, not counter booking, I think that's a clear example of counter booking, right? Like it's we need this big storyline, this big change. We we need to dominate the headlines on a Wednesday night, which is ridiculous. Like there's no need for that. Oh, so, we're gonna come back. That, <laughs> like we're it's fans. a misstep. But again, you can do that if you. I mean, what was that? Three weeks ago, you still had seven weeks to build. Right. We just don't like where you're building. Right. It's like, dude. I, I think they've wasted three. So you had seven after that to really keep going and build momentum, and have wasted three. Yeah. It's like. So now you got to do a lot in four. We, we, all of us that watch NXT, we really like it. But we really like the old NXT when you didn't have to worry about what was else was coming on on Wednesday night, and you just built your feuds. Gargano and Ciampa wrestled like 10 billion times. And it didn't, and, but they, they actually, they actually didn't. They just built their feud over yeah. the course of like a year. <laughs> and, and we were fine with it because the way it was handled. Even though at the end it got a little old, but before that, like, we were all in it. But then Cole versus Lee, the first dual champion in NXT history, doesn't even get a real build. Just a match. And now you're going to bring in yeah. Cross, who and just I- got here. Yeah. I think Cross can lose. I don't think it's been a long time since we got something that wasn't a one-off. Um, mostly because Adam Cole ran through everyone. So, I mean, that's what happens when you have a guy who's champion for 400 days, right? So, I think this is a feud that can go two, three takeovers with legit stipulations. And people will say, and I agree where you say, like, okay, it's too early for Karrion Cross to lose. But is it, like, it's kind of like the UFC, which we'll talk about that on our next show. But when you have one of these young whippersnappers or just a new talent that's red hot, give them that loss in the best way possible and have them use it to fuel the feud going forward. Because being undefeated is one of the worst traps you can have. True. Now, you can't you can't do AEW, have Brody Lee lose, and forget about it right like he's just gone and doesn't feel special like that's horrible but carrying cross can lose to it to keith lee and then the next wednesday cut one hell of a promo like i wanted you to bring that out of me you thought this was you thought this was the time i'm not playing a short game i'm playing a long game we just got started and you feel that shit and it's chilling and like okay and then you give him a stipulation and then you keep going and you build that. I like that. I, I think something like that could work between these two. It could. I guess... With with Cross winning at the end and not the beginning. If anything, if you go three takeovers with this, that puts you at Royal Rumble. And Keith Lee goes into Royal Rumble again and Sayonara Keith Lee. And the night before, Karrion Cross wins. I guess my issue with this is because NXT has done a really good job with their title feuds over time. Except for like Bobby Roode. Mm-hmm. I always that shit was right. But um for the most part, like even the Gargano, Cole feud, Gargano and Ciampa, you know, Balor and Samoa Joe, they started from something else, not really just about the title. And I think my issue with the Karrion Cross uh Keith Lee feud is I think NXT 
they counter program and made it very obvious because they made it look like Cross was going after Cole first. And then for whatever yeah. reason, they switched gears a, a week later. And you can see them like working through this. And now it's like, well, the whole like Cross and Dijak could have just had a match like without Lee being involved at all. And Cross could have just murked Dijak. And that could have started the feud with Lee. You know what I'm saying? Like, it feels it feels like they're working backwards to try to bring heat to a feud that should have had heat from the beginning. So, like, Ciampa and Gargano, the reason why their feud worked is because they were tag team partners. And then Ciampa destroyed Gargano at the end of the damn uh, DIY and broke them up. And that's what made it so hot. Gargano and Cole, they worked themselves into, like, this really nuclear hot feud. Balor and Smojo were a tag team. I know. They used this Dusty Rose classic thing as, like, a, a gimmick. But yep. for the most part, even like American Alpha and the Revival, uh, Enzo and Cass never getting their hands on the titles. Um, you know, what, what they do, uh, Velveteen and Ricochet. Uh, they've tried to find ways to bring heat to a feud, and then the title becomes a byproduct of it. This, they put the title up first, and they were like, well, shit, they're not mad at each other, so let's find a way to make them mad at each other. All right, have them kill Dijakovic. Now we got three weeks to make, keep them mad at each other. It don't work like that. Yeah, they could have done that great. They could have they, they could have did takeover, right? <laughs> they could have not even takeover. They could have did Great American Bash and had Cross versus Dijak for whatever reason, and then just Cross is just nuking him, destroying him, and then Lee comes out. I was like, dude, what the fuck? And then you leave that that sense of that that intensity lingering. Then Lee gets his hands on the title, and now it's like now you got something to fight for. I I just didn't like. I don't like how they worked this. No, it's a, it's a little ass backwards, and they're playing catch-up, but they're playing it at least early enough where they still got three weeks. Yeah, I, I mean, look. So I'm going to see how it plays out, but we'll see. I'm I'm up in the air, yeah, with how it's going. Um, Imperium versus Undisputed Era I, seems to be a feud uh, that's going. I don't care about this at all. I, I kind of hope Undisputed Era takes the tag team titles back. I do, but it, it feels so counterproductive. Like... It almost I mean, feels Imperium new, holding them. It feels like New Day-ish. It's like, uh, these aren't really working. Give them back to the guys that had them before. Yeah. I think maybe we get the Imperium um, Imperium versus Undisputed Era rematch again. I mean... At SummerSlam. Just, just, can we get Walter back? Yeah, I think Walter comes <laughs> back. Like, I, I think they'll find a way to sneak Walter over. Yeah, really, really. Um, and then, by the way, Timothy Thatcher, original member of Imperium, keep an eye on that. Yeah, I mean... Because that would be a good way to shoehorn him in there as well. That would make sense. I don't know. It's just, like I said, this Undisputed Era has lost a ton of momentum. They've lost every match they've had for the, like, the past month. And it feels like they were doing it to call them up, and then somebody was like, yeah, pump the brakes on that. That bothers me. It's like they're not playing the long game anymore. They're playing the short game. And I hope they fix it. I hope they fix it. Maybe Undisputed Era is not getting called up. I don't know what's going on. But NXT, got that, they have the same issue at the top with AEW. Although, I will say, I think... Um, they're in a much better position, I think, yeah. at the top. At the top, I think so, too. Like I, I, they're, they're really burning the candle at both ends if they have MJF lose. Um Cross is a short shot guy, but they can fuck this up too. I don't know. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not thrilled by either. We'll see where because takeovers in like three weeks, whereas uh, was it all in? 
what we got to is in five. Yeah, so we'll see. I'm just not terribly confident in either show right now, even though the wrestling should be great for both shows. I agree. Um, that triple threat match, by the way, is Damian Priest, Oni Lorcan, and Ridge Holland. Oh, the new guy coming over from the UK. Uh, yeah. So Ridge Holland's gonna the win. New huh? guy. No, Damian Priest is winning. Okay. Another big, you know, flyer. You talk about spots. Oh no, he's perfect. Damian Priest got spots. He's perfect. I just wonder so, why they're advertising this Ridge Holland guy if he's not gonna win. But maybe, maybe you yeah, can be totally right. Come, yeah. Spot duty, but I think Priest is another one that's in there. Um, and depending how the field shakes out with the other two guys, uh, Priest would probably be my favorite. I feel like that match he had against Balor is like, okay, now let's see what he can do. Oh, one more thing no, I want to mention about NXT. Then we can we can go to main roster. Swerve had a good match this week. Yes, he did. Hopefully he's in next week's triple threat match. But I have a huge but. The, I didn't, we didn't talk about this prior week. The prior week when he was in the studio doing that promo, I cringed so hard. Oh, I hated that. I hated it so much. I, it wasn't the greatest. <laughs> I, I hated it. And so I'm watching the match, and I'm like, yo, he's so good. But I don't know who the fuck he is. Like, is he a rapper now? He might have the ricochet. Eesh. The ricochet syndrome. But he, he could actually be a good promo, but... The character, I don't. What are they doing with him? I don't know. It's in between. I, you know what? The crux of it. Now that I think about it, to answer your question, is that the character and his character, much like we see with Chris Bay, because I think the characters are very similar, works when they let you be a heel. He has come in and he's shoehorned as a, as a babyface, and it doesn't work for that character. It's just cocky, arrogant. Yeah. You know, hip-hop, swag, like all that shit. You can be- become a face later on. You got to come in as a heel to make it work. Yeah, I, I was watching that match. I, I like, think that's where it goes less. I was like, man, Swerve is really good. And I was just like, but man, that promo was so bad. Watching him in the studio, I was like, yeah. this is so dumb. Either I want him in that um, match, the ladder match, because you kind of should have a high flyer, but... Either I want him in there or I want him in the Cruiserweight title match at TakeOver, and that could steal the show. I mean, he's done it before. You remember, he was in the match with, with him Devlin. and Phantasma. Remember, he did it with Devlin. They had a fucking fantastic match, yeah. a triple threat. And they just. Incredible match. Yep. I I look at them and I, I truly think, and this is like, it's, because, it's not because he's black, it's that they have no idea what to do with him, his character. They can't mm-hmm. figure out who he is. He's in like him. But they have him on TV figuring it out. Right. So I give him cool. At for least that. they're doing that. At least they're doing that. So mm-hmm. we'll, we'll see where it goes. Man, I was like, this is such a good match. And I just wanted to care more yeah. about him. Him versus Phantasma would be really good. It though. would. So that'd be one hell of a match. Uh, main roster, we're breezing through this shit. There's reports of WWE payback coming back and being a week after SummerSlam. Why? I don't know. It makes no fucking sense. <laughs> I heard that they blocked off another you know, network special for the week after. I thought it was Evolution too. Yeah. Wouldn't that be perfect? Give the women their spotlight, their shine. Again, read the room. It's the perfect climate for that. Goodness. Let the women go again. You have two champions with numerous feuds go. Why can't you, okay, go into SummerSlam, see where they shake out, and then have the women have payback or bad blood the next week at Evolution? 
Maybe you debut a Tessa Blanche. Like you, you don't. Like it makes so much more sense for the women. You're talking about someone like Naomi, who has a mid card feud on the women's side, who probably won't get time at SummerSlam. Boom! Perfect for Evolution to blow that off. You have a brewing feud between Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. It seems like right. Blow that off. Start it. Blow it off at Evolution. Because guess what? You don't got time for that SummerSlam. She's going to be a puppet for Bray Wyatt. There's a lot of shit Evolution can give you. Yeah. Oh, by the way, Bianca Belair, where have you been? You know what a great showcase is for her? Evolution. <sighs> yeah. Nia Jax versus Shayna Baszler is a feud on the mid-card for the women. That's not getting SummerSlam time. Ah, Evolution. It makes sense in all regards. Yeah, it makes too much sense. But, uh, yeah. Payback, this, I don't know. That's stupid. It's dumb. Um, and I would have Becky and Sasha defend the tag titles and their individual titles on the same night. Bailey and Sasha, you mean? Yeah, what did I, I say? Becky. Becky? Sorry. Bailey and Sasha. Yeah, I mean. That gives you a nice little draw. There's a lot that could be done with Evolution because there's a lot of women that are working and, you know, you got a lot of things going on and you can do it the week after that. Kel, what you just said makes all the sense in the world, which is why they won't do it. So not at all. Jerry. Here we go. Here we are. So raw, real quick. Um, I hated how they used Kyrie saying to have Oscar lose the title. I absolutely, positively hated this. Why? Why did they do this? And now, what is the end game? Oscar has to get edge. Babyface edge, but edge. Like, you know, like, she got to get a mean streak. People are like, oh, they should bring in more aspects of her Kana character from Japan. I wouldn't mind that. Sooner or later, she has to get the title back. I think. Because she's proven herself to be too good at the top. But being handed the title seemed a little bit weird in the first place anyway. It did, but not... So her losing, and then now going and battling and actually winning the title back. Let's be real. Sasha Banks already... What, she beat Asuka last Monday, right? Yeah. Already, she's, I think, three days away from her combined WWE title reign. And she's a five-time champion. The other four lasted a combined, like, 13 days. So already, she's about to eclipse that. Her carrying the belt into SummerSlam and losing, shit, that's a long time for her as champ. Or you, you take this... See, it's, it's weird because... And stick with me with this one. Bailey and Sasha keeping the belts, to me, is important going into Survivor Series. Because they've teased this, this breakup, right? For so long. But they're so good right now. How do you still have that? Now you can push it off. Why wouldn't that be your main women's feud for Mania? Everyone else is out. Why not push that to Survivor Series where they have to face each other? Because they are champions. It has to be Raw, SmackDown, NXT Women's Champions. Why not use that to really start? Really kickstart that? You know what? I'm better than Bayley. For Sasha and vice versa. You could really start their feud against each other in that match. 
if they're still champions? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I see what you're saying. I don't know. I feel like it's a natural progression, a natural way to get them competing against each other. Yeah, I, again, the way I look at it, I just feel like they're built to face each other. And I feel like it ha- it should happen at WrestleMania because it, they the uh, the juice is worth the squeeze here. And if it ends up that Oscar gets the title back, shouldn't Sasha Banks just win the Royal Rumble and challenge her, her best friend? Yeah, you can't get a champ versus champ match any, in any way because the winner of the Rumble would need to have a title yes. shot. So, I mean, Sasha should lose the title to Oscar at some point. After Survivor Series. Well, whenever it is. She could lose the title now. I don't know. Um, maybe if we find a way to get Bianca her hands on the title. I don't know. Shayna, who knows? Maybe Bianca would be great as a Royal Rumble winner. Yeah, she could be. But I think the point is is that the Sasha Bailey story has does not need to be rushed. Because they're so good together on both shows. Um, but once one of them loses, we start moving towards this match. Because it could... I mean, we've already had women headline WrestleMania, but this could headline a WrestleMania because it, the yeah. the feud, the rivalry has enough heat where it makes sense, and I think we'd all be emotionally invested in those two revisiting NXT Brooklyn from several years ago. In I don't know what it could be. I mean, it could be the first Iron Man match in WrestleMania history with women. I don't know. Whatever it is, yeah, first sixty minute, yeah, at least. whatever it is. They are built for that, and there's so much in that relationship that the feud is believable and have nuclear heat. I just don't know who the babyface is, um, and I think I don't even think it matters heading into yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, you got to get the return of you know wacky wavy Bailey somehow. Yeah, I don't know. Somehow. You gotta find a way to get there. Sasha's too good of a heel. Yeah, but but um, anyway, that that's that was my one thing on Raw that just it just irked me because Kyrie being sent off. Um, obviously, she's you know she's done. Uh, it just was such a stupid way for Oscar to lose the title by countout. <laughs> like what the fuck? She won it, very weird. getting it handed to her, and then she loses it by countout. That was dumb. Um, very odd. Drew McIntyre. What else do we Drew have? Drew McIntyre. Drew Mac. Randy Orton. I mean, I don't know why he needed to wrestle Dolph Ziggler again, but whatever. Um, I liked it. And we talked a little bit about this, you know, on last week's show because we did it on Tuesday. So right. we touched a little bit on it already. But, you know, I it's cool. Him versus Orton. We needed Orton to finally face someone that mattered. Yeah. So I'm okay with this. Like I, And Orton deserves to be in the title picture. I agree. I don't know how anyone else, you know, could say no, like... For the first time in a long time, he's earned the right to be in the title picture. So yeah, let's get it. Let's see what you know how it goes. It's a perfect feud for Drew McIntyre. It's the perfect guy to go over on. It's so many things that are right about that particular feud. They this could be this will be fine. Um, SmackDown. I don't really want to talk about anything else on Raw because we talked about it. SmackDown. Naomi. SmackDown. Naomi. Naomi. <laughs> Attempts to destroy her. I don't... Listen. I, too, watched the last Impact pay-per-view. The sliding on the knees out of the ring to the destroyer, that shit was clean. Naomi, read the room. 
Sometimes shit is cool. You'd be like, yo, I think I could do that. Recognize who your dance partner is. Yeah. No one has ever looked at uh, MAGA woman. Lacey Evans. I forget. Lacey, <laughs> Lacey Evans said, you know what? She sells her ass off. She she's a regular Mr. Perfect, Mrs. Perfect in this case. Like no, she doesn't. No one looks at her and be like, you know what? She's a workhorse. That that one right there is one hell of a wrestler. No, read the room. So now she might never get to try it again. Well, because it's all over the internet being clowned. Um. Yeah. So there's so many things that were wrong with this. One. The, can we just stop using destroyers like we do? I mean, they do it on every show every week. Stop. It's too much. Two, this is a really creative destroyer that you should have done like a pay-per-view. And I don't know who the agent was for this match. But as soon as either one was like, hey, we should do this, she's like, no. Because either A, you're going to be wrestling each other at Evolution and save it for that. Or B, at SummerSlam. This is not a match that you. This is not a move that you do in some regular ass match on a regular ass SmackDown. That's not even going to win you the match. That's a finisher. Mm-hmm. I don't know why Canadians like Petey Williams would be pissed off. He saw all this going on right now. I'm sure he is. <laughs> like goddamn, I used to murder people with this move. Nobody used to kick out of the, the Canadian Destroyer. Why was it called Canadian Destroyer? Because Petey Williams was Canadian. But now everybody does it, and it's just a transitional move. The other thing. This is the one that bothers me the most. You botched this move on a show you recorded over a week ago. Nobody watched this shit was like, ah, uh, we could probably edit that out. What the fuck? Yeah, just cut it out. If you can't retape it, cut it out. I, I don't understand how you watch this debauchery of a move and then you go, yeah, just keep it. <laughs> Take it out. Save them. You just made them both look bad because... A lot of people are trying to pass the buck back and forth. I feel like it was Lacey because she just wasn't, she didn't know how to flow through the move. She just didn't have a clue. I don't know if she got scared because she thought the the barricade was too close, but she didn't turn the way she didn't turn that flip like she needed to. But as soon as you saw that, edit it, put them back in the ring, cut. God damn, that's what recorded shows are for. I didn't understand that at all. Helps neither of them. It's I at all. I do not get it. Again, test it out sometimes. Don't just be like, yo, I think I could do this. You know what? Lacey, maybe let's run through this three times. Let's see if she can actually flip. The cell was as bad as the idea of trying the move. He's like, what do you do after that? So, yeah. <laughs> like, they both, like, Lacey just kind of no. flopped over, and Naomi had to kind of play it off, even though there was no fans there. And then Lacey was like, all right, I guess I'll just get back in the ring now. Yeah. <laughs> um,. Two other things to touch in for SmackDown. Shorty G helping Corbin. Not sure how that works, but heal Shorty G, going back to Chad Gable, and a match potentially between Matt Riddle and Chad Gable has me all in on this shit. I don't even care if it's sensical. I don't care why he would join Baron Corbin after the two feuded damn near to the death six months ago. Just... And he only has the name Shorty G because of Corbin. I don't care. Put it in my veins. Him versus Riddle. That's it. Put it in my veins. Dude, Him versus Riddle. It's going to be nuts. Just start with, like, give me Gulak and, and uh, Gable, right, next week, to, so we can work our way there. Mm-hmm. And I just, 
I'll just be in euphoria because those two that that match will go. That was great. Um, because he need the, I don't yeah the teaming with Corbin whatever I, nobody cares. All we I think everybody saw was somebody who's been terribly misused show up on TV and you're like yes. And as a heel, give him an edge. Thank you. Gable's too good just yep. to be a fucking fake rapper. Shorty G, that was stupid. So, you know what? I'm okay with Corbin leading a stable of mid-card heels. Yeah, but you know it won't be like, a This is heel. what he's built for. <laughs> They'll push it back to the top at some point. That's, though, come on, man. I'm not saying, listen, I don't want to, that's why I don't want to praise the guy too much. <laughs> <laughs> like, cause they'll they'll fuck around and think, no, this is the time he's hot. Let's rock him back to no. Slow down, yeah, chill out. Slow down, Vince. This is where he belongs, because he can help these other talents in his role. I mean, dude, Corbin's good for what he should be. Not should be in feud exactly. with Roman Reigns for seven months. Like, no, no. This is this is where he lives. You got a new talent and Matt Riddle. This is where Corbin lives. Yeah, and he, he's good. Cool, he'll put this guy over. Oh, you need someone else to get an edge? Put him with Corbin. You know why? Because everyone hates Corbin. Immediately gives Shorty G an edge. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, like, th- this is where he lives. Yeah, th- I mean, this is perfect. The other thing, uh, Biggie having a two-segment match with The Miz and finishes him with a stretch muffler. I've, you know, the stretch muffler. Yeah, what was with that? Yo, the stretch muffler is a I move like that, that I've seen people do. That shit looked like it hurt when he put it on the Miz. Does he just... Yeah. Like, God damn, I thought he was going to break him in half. As a, as a big man. Yo. <laughs> big I'm kind of fine with this. Up. Like, if he, if this is going to be his other finisher with a big ending, kind of like how the AJ Styles uses the calf crusher, even though he uses a phenomenal forearm, mm-hmm. but we all, you know, the Styles Clash is really his finisher. But I like him having a second finisher. And that stretch muffler looked yep. brutal. Hopefully they just keep the momentum. You want to talk... You want to talk about what book, you know, going back to what Booker T said. Oh, you can't do it with those colors and this gimmick. He needs an edge. This is how you add an edge to someone without changing the extra stuff. They gave it to, uh, like we said last week, to Cena. Yeah. Cena got the, the submission finisher to give him a little of an edge, but he never lost the character. No. It's just when he wanted to inflict more pain on someone, he always had the submission finisher. Now they give Big E the submission finisher. I like it. Yeah, totally fine with it. I, I, this is how you tweak shit without totally revamping something or the worst case scenario, breaking up the new day. Yeah, exactly. So I like that. And then um, to finish it off, I liked how they ended the show. You know what? SmackDown wasn't bad as a whole. It was all right. It, it, it wasn't bad this week. Um... But I like the end. Again, I like The Fiend. I don't need it to be for the title, but it is. But I'm not one of the, oh, Bray Wyatt is over. I said he wasn't over when he lost to Goldberg. I said it wasn't done. He's clawed himself out of that bullshit. It took him a paternity leave, though. Like, he had to be off television and cool off for like two months. But I think it's back. I don't think Braun Strowman's the best of guy, but at least they have history. And they're pulling in all these other different dynamics. Team Little Big and, you know, how they've done ride-alongs with, um, you know, with those two together. So I, I like how they're going with this. And Alexa Bliss, I think, adds a, a different dynamic. I don't want them to fall in love with it. Don't make her, you know, be the reason why why it loses. I don't need her to turn into Sister Abigail, per se. No, let's not take this too far. But for what it is... For another reason to to add heat, 
to this feud with Strowman and Wyatt, I like where it's going. And Mandible clawing her right there. I was like, oh, is he really going to touch her? Boom, Mandible claw. The Fiend is ruthless. Yeah, you're a Fiend apologist. And I, look. I like the Fiend. This isn't Bray's fault. I, I, I can say this every single week. This isn't Bray's fault. <laughs> Bray's really good at what he does. Like the closing segment by itself, really good. We still got to go back to him winning the title off of Braun Strowman. That's the only thing I can't get the shit out of my head. You're going to put the title right back on him? Why? I, it's, it's baffling. Because Bray is so good in these segments where he doesn't, like, Braun's not even on the show. Hasn't been on the show. He, Bray, you know, Firefly Funhouse, Bray doing this with Alexa. Wrong dance partner, because Braun is whack. But he doesn't need the title. This doesn't need to be for the title. They could have done this feud without a title. And, Bra- and Fiend could have still shined, and Bray Wyatt could have still shined. I, like, we're going to run into the same problem again. He's going to get the title, and then what? We do. The, we just. Then I don't, we just did this shit. Then Brock Lesnar comes back and beats yeah. him out of. Or they just are waiting on Roman Reigns. Yeah, or waiting on Roman. But why? But I mean, why is the fiend need? I don't like it because it that could be the workhorse brand. Exactly. And you're slowing down the workhorse brand. Uh, I've already gave you my scenario. Like if if this and Drew Mac flip flopped, I might be okay. Exactly. Exactly. Like if you have a draft and you say, you know what? The first time ever, I don't know. Maybe it's not the first it's time. It's not. They switched But for the first time, they've had, yeah, let's do it again. And you flip champions. And because Drew Mack has kind of run his course in that, you know, with the the roster over there, if he beats Orton, and then you flip him. I mean, and you have Fiend back on. Who doesn't want to see Drew Mack versus AJ Styles for the title, right? What? Give me Drew Mack you know, at some point. Versus Matt Riddle. There's there's plenty of options because Drew can go. The Fiend is a yep. character wrestler who can do th- great things by himself, but is not exceptional in the ring. So you put him on no. Raw, and you d- have him deal with other character wrestler types. I don't understand this, but yep. why? He- him versus heel versus heel, him versus Seth Rollins with their two gimmicks would open up a crazy world of possibility. Yeah, but then, but then they would just dive into the bullshit again because we just did this dumbass eye for an eye match. God knows what they would do with him now. Um, oh, a ton of bullshit, but, but I'm with it. The, the point is, is like, Bray does not need to be in a title program. He's good enough to do this, and, I'm, and I would be interested in watching if the title wasn't on the line. Some guys are just yeah. good enough to have great programs with other wrestlers without there any, being any stakes of a title. Just have a feud. Yeah, if he wins it this time, he doesn't have to win it again for like five. Minutes. If he wins it, that was with Taker, right? Like Taker won it like twice in like two years, or something in the late nineties. Carried it for a second, and then didn't win that shit again for a long time. No, and like I said, you have faith in it. I hate it because if he gets his hands on the title, we're in the same spot again. And all you're doing is inflicting damage on the Bray Wyatt character every single time you do this. He is too good for you guys to keep messing this up. So don't mess this up. But yeah, I, I honestly don't give a shit about Braun Strowman at all. He might be one of the worst champions in recent memory. Jack Swagger, maybe. Ooh. You know what? People liked Jinder Mahal's title run. Because it, it was so left field. So like, the Jinder Mahal title run, like, because everybody hated it, including myself, because he beat Nakamura. Because uh, he didn't, well, he got it off of Stop. Wait, who did he get off of? Who did he get off of originally? 
Orton, right? Orton, and then lost it to Styles because it was about to be SummerSlam, and they yeah. wanted Styles versus okay. Brock. Yeah, because he beat Nakamura and it pissed everybody off. But the thing about the Jinder Mahal title reign is that it came so far out of left field that it was just like, all right, well, cool. You're just giving a new guy a push. The Braun thing was like, all right, this is like three years too late, and it came at a time where nobody cared. And then him as a babyface doesn't work. Like, nothing works about this. Nothing. Gender actually kind of grew on some people. Like, you know, having the Bollywood boys with him and the entrance and the celebration. Like, some of that shit was, it wasn't the best, but it wasn't the worst. Everything about this Braun title run sucks. I haven't enjoyed a single aspect of it. Wait, who did he beat? Who did he beat for it? He beat Goldberg in the squash match. Braun? Yeah, you're right. See? That's the other problem. He beat Goldberg when Roman Reigns got sick. He beat Goldberg at WrestleMania. The fact that you don't remember he won at WrestleMania is problematic. Because nobody cared. Nobody cared. Nobody cared about Goldberg. Nobody cared about Goldberg and Roman. Nobody cared. Now, Braun won it. Nobody cares. Now, he's in a few that nobody cares about. Drew squashed Brock, but it felt like Drew earned his spot. Braun got kind of put in there because Roman was out, and then he won the title, and it's just like, well, what do we do with it now? Have Big E go over on Braun. There we go. We can close the show with that. I'm, listen, I'm with big, big meaty men bumping meat. That's what you want to see. Right, that's a good way to close the show. Thank you guys. Another two-hour show. Man, plenty of wrestling to talk about every week. We appreciate you. Shout-out to the sponsors. Shout-out to the network, Blue Wire. Make sure you guys follow us on social media, at Corner Podcast on Twitter, Corner Club for Life on Instagram, me at Kel Dansby, him at Andreas Hell. You guys stay safe. Stay Rona-free. We'll be back later in the week to talk MMA and boxing. Plenty to talk about on both of those fronts and whatever craziness is happening in the world. We appreciate you guys. Till next time, we're out. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.